0: Shit, 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 show. it's a fucking shit show. Shit, All right,
1: let's rock and roll, dude. Welcome back to Shit Show Saturday. We have a very special shit show. We have Shit Show Mike. We do not have a nickname for you yet.
2: Uh, do not. Mm, it'll come.
1: It'll, you can't force it, you know?
2: No, no. It'll come naturally. I am who I am. Maybe I'm the unnicknamed nickname.
1: Yeah, you're the unnicknamed Mike. Mm -hmm. um okay song when you walk into a room
2: i've been waffling around MNIST because i have so many songs that i love and are near and dear to me but i think the one that hits me is seven dust live again live
0: again
2: what is seven dust Seven Death is a metal band, um, well, new metal band. Um, they've been around since the 90s. I'd seen them like 10, 12 times. Holy cow. They're amazing. Are they Except
1: like, for, fuck your dog, eat your cat? Are they like that? Uh,
2: they can be. In their earlier years, they were a little rough, but now they're... <laughs> They're refined in their older age and yeah.
1: They're refined in their
2: older age. (laughs) Did they put out new music? They're about to release a new album uh this summer.
1: Nice. Okay. (laughs) Seven dust, live again. Got it. Uh carbohydrate.
2: Pizza. Nice. Good choice. Cheese. Melted mozzarella. I'm not a big you know get a chunk of cheese and just eat it i'm not i'm, I'm picky i'm a picky eater um there are eight year olds that have a healthier diet than i do
1: <laughs> um and so then are we gonna just like go all pizza and you're gonna say your favorite condiment is marinara sauce
2: no okay. no um tabasco tabasco
1: okay yeah. good choice Um, Do you put Tabasco on your pizza ever?
2: I do not. I'm very picky about my pizza. Okay, do tell. It has to be cheese and pepperoni. Okay. Only. Could could you have cheese? What's that? Could you have just cheese? Uh, No, I need the pepperoni too. Okay. It's got to be cheese and pepperoni. No fancy chicken wings you know bacon
1: you don't want a chicken wing on your pizza you don't want a chicken bone on it
2: <laughs> no no i mean i have had chicken wing pizza before it's actually pretty good but i'm particular with it
1: okay good to know and do you like dip it in ranch
2: oh no we use blue cheese up here you dip it in blue cheese i don't even do that no
1: okay um Okay, how did you find out that you were an adult child?
2: Oh, geez. Um, You're starting with hard hitting questions right off the bat, aren't you? In my recovery from my last suicide attempt in 2018, around 2019, 2020, I discovered a book um, called adult children of emotionally immature parents Mm -hmm. and it was just kind of out of the blue I noticed some things with my parents that you know I love them but a little bit of immaturity, and I recognized that in myself too Mm -hmm. so that brought me down the rabbit hole of that and then I discovered your podcast and I was actually I listened to it for about a year before uh-huh. I joined the WhatsApp and the group, were you
1: damned to join?
2: Yeah. What was the push? I needed. I was looking for more support systems,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and just throwing everything against the wall and seeing what sticks. And uh, you know as, as, as soon as I got into the into the WhatsApp and I got into the support groups, I was I'd been hooked ever okay. since. And and the love, just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, it's a special community. Yes, it is. Um, what laundry list trait do you relate to the
2: most? Um, approval seeking.
0: Mhm.
2: I mean, I relate to almost all of them, but approval seeking is is the one because. Not only was I seeking approval from my parents, um, being born with a facial paralysis kind of made me want to seek approval from society in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
1: So, What is your earliest memory?
2: Oh, I don't remember most of my childhood because of how traumatic it was. I think the earliest memory is... I think it may have been like around ten
0: mm-hmm.
2: around there, and you know we were we were all the whole family was in the car, and I was in the back seat, and I don't know what set it off, but I was I saw myself crying
0: mm. in the
2: back seat, and when we got to our destination, I immediately stopped crying, and I think I was afraid of what the reaction would be to my parents. Um, and that's the earliest memory that I have.
1: Do you, do you have a sense of, you know, even prior to that, like, what was the atmosphere in your home?
2: Um, looking back on it now, I think it was at first when I was born, I was the first born, um. And then you just have a sister, right? Just one sister? Yeah, I've got one Mm -hmm. sister. Um, I think when I was born, it was chaotic. I mean, I'm not a parent, but I can just imagine being a new parent and having a child who doesn't look like everybody else. And I guess when I was born... I My parents were, to, were told by the doctors that I wouldn't live past the age of two. Mm. And if I did, I'd be severely mentally challenged. Mm-hmm. Um, They didn't have a name for what I had. And I had, and it was chaotic, I think, given my parents experiences with their growing up and how they reacted to things. I just, I, I think it was very chaotic for them. And especially when I ended up, you know, being in and out of the hospital. Um, and at one point I had had surgery because my stomach herniated through my diaphragm when I was two, Mm. you know, and then having, you know, my sister come along and she's, for all intents and purposes, perfectly normal. You know, my parents are are products of their upbringing and they are both very anxious people. Mm -hmm. So you combine anxiety with unknown and you get just Mm -hmm. unbridled anxiety. Um, And I'm not blaming them. They could only do what they could do, you know, and they didn't know any different, but I definitely think it was it was hard for them. I know my dad worked a lot of crazy hours um, to put both me and my sister through Catholic school. Um, and when I was five, I was diagnosed as hearing impaired and I had to wear hearing aids. Mm hmm. For anybody that doesn't wear hearing aids, they are not cheap mm-hmm. and they are not covered by insurance. So, on top of putting us, you know, of the hearing aids, they had to put us through Catholic school. So, it was very stressful and they expected perfection because, rightly so, they're paying a lot of money. They want perfection. And that just created a perfect storm of me inheriting their anxiety and their perfectionism on top of the trauma of not looking like anybody else and feeling like an alien mm. with facial paralysis. And and that's, but sometimes I wonder if 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 what I'm going through really is adult-child related, um, because so much of my experience is not necessarily my parents, but society in general. I didn't have alcoholic parents. You know, they're not alcoholic. They're dysfunctional, but isn't dif- dysfunctional. It's just a perfect storm of dysfunction and disability.
1: You know, I think when it comes to like adult child, I think it's about, um, it's about, and and wh- wherever that comes from, I don't think it necessarily matters, but it's about the, the, the faulty beliefs and the faulty programming that occurs during childhood. And I think that that can come from many different angles, you know?
2: Yep. It's, it's, I mean, it's the way our society has functioned since the beginning of time. We, we humans will, will disregard anything that's not normal
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, or doesn't fit society's standard of normal. It wasn't that long ago, you know, we had racial segregation in this country. It wasn't that long ago that people like me who were born were relegated to a walled-off part of the world. And, and was left out of society in general mm-hmm. that wrecked havoc on me as a kid and it's weird because it didn't nothing clicked nothing fell into place until i discovered adult child mm. the concept of adult child it all makes sense
1: do you have a memory of of being um someone explaining to you like your medical conditions
2: no no because i think for the most part nobody knew what was going on um there was an idea when i was a teenager of what i had but i was never officially diagnosed Mm -hmm. um i wasn't diagnosed until i was 41 wow and you know and they did an mri and they said Oh, yeah, that's your problem. Well, no kidding. Then they also found other problems, which, you know, (laughs) whatever. Bring it on.
1: (laughs) What was that moment like for you?
2: It's weird because most normal people think when they get a diagnosis, they're, you know, the whole world fell apart. Mm. For me, because I've been seeking answers for my whole life, It was like, okay, this confirms what I have, and my anxiety over what I have is, for the most part, gone. But now the anxiety is, oh God, what do I do with this information? Hmm. Can I do anything? Is there, you know, is there any? There's no way to cure it. There's no medications they can give, and it's both. Freeing, knowing what I have, but it's also overwhelming knowing that there's nothing that can be done.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: there's no, there, there's still the unknown of what will happen as I get old.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, just the normal aging process for humans. Don't know how that's going to affect me with all the different stuff I got going on. Mm-hmm,
0: hmm
1: when you reflect back on like adulthood what is like a pivotal experience that you would want to share with everyone
2: I have two pivotal experiences Mm -hmm. the first one was my first suicide attempt when I was 30 back then I thought I attempted suicide because of my alcoholism.
0: Hmm.
2: So I got sober. And did you go to AA? I did not go to AA. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Um, I just called uh-huh. Turkey. Uh-huh. Um, and I had moved back home with my parents after being out on my own for a while. And things were going okay. I, you know, I went from. Alcohol fueled twenties to kind of like a um, an inward mindset, a lot of focus on inside,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and a lot, a lot of over analyzing things and getting stuck in my head. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't help that for most of my thirties, I had an overnight job that had a lot of downtime. Mm -hmm. So I had a lot of time to think. And then the second pivotal moment was my second suicide event in 2018. I won't go into details, but it was a very traumatic event. Mm -hmm. And it made me realize the alcohol wasn't the problem. Mm -hmm. um yes i had started to drink a little bit but the last drink i had was two months prior Mm -hmm. so it you know it wasn't the alcohol that was a problem there was something else going on Mm -hmm. and i wanted to get to the root cause of what my issues were and i threw myself headfirst into dealing with medical issues that i had put off for my whole adult life, basically. Um, Dealing headfirst into that, dealing headfirst into therapy, dealing headfirst into really digging down and figuring out what the hell is going on. Why am I repeating this cycle? Because, by the way, I had also, you know, in my 30s, I also moved out of my parents' house into another place. Mm -hmm. And then when I attempted suicide again, I moved back home again. Mm. And I wanted to find a way to stop this cycle from repeating. Did a lot of soul searching, read a lot of books, and that's how I got onto the path of finding you. And I'd say those are the two most pivotal moments in my life.
1: What have been some tools that you feel like you've picked up on, you know, in the past? however long, things that have worked for
2: you? Um, I would say from a depression standpoint is once I recognize I'm in depression, not make any decisions at all. And if I do feel like I need to make a decision, write it down on my phone and come back to it when I'm out of the depression. That's been huge. Mm -hmm. And the other one that I picked up is making my bed every day.
0: Mm.
2: I used to be the type of person, why when I bother making my bed, I'm just going to mess it up (laughs) tonight. Mm -hmm. And and, you know, and it, it makes no sense to expend the effort and the energy to make my bed every morning. But very early on in this second recovery, I, I read something that said, if you do one thing at all, make your bed. That gives you the sense of accomplishment that when on the days when you're not feeling great and you're at an all-time low, you accomplish one thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's been huge.
1: I love that. Makes me want to get up right now and go make my bed. <laughs> make your bed. Okay. Like, well, so, well, sometimes it's hard because if Kiki's doesn't, she doesn't get up a lot. So then I like, I feel like an asshole. Like I can't just like kick her out of the bed. Um, well, you can. I can, I can, but that's not a no. nice mommy. That's not no. a old nice mommy. She's an old lady. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. Um, so talk about. Uh, your experience recently with art
2: oh geez I had in the whatsapp I had been saying you know we were talking about creativity and how I don't have any you know I didn't think I had any creativity Um, I didn't either (laughs) well you clearly have a lot of creativity well
1: I know but prior to this I mean I never considered myself as being creative too so I feel
2: like right and and Somebody had said, I think it was Chris, who said, just take up the crayon and start drawing. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> um, except I can barely hold a crayon for longer than two seconds. So, oh, okay. Well, that's not going to work. And in the past- Does I it hurt I'm your like, hand? Oh, it hurts so bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and that's one of the things that's gotten worse. Mm -hmm. the older I get so um so I'm like okay I can't use a crayon I can't can't use a paintbrush what can I do because I want to try and get out of this victim mentality Mm -hmm. you know I can't do this I can't do that I can't do this what can I do I can do finger painting and then I immediately laughed my ass off at myself and said, <laughs> oh, finger painting, that's so childish. Mm. Well, guess what? It's unleashed a beast. Mm. You're admit, good, dude. You're good. Well, I, I, well, I'm working on one right now. I'm trying to do um, a tiger. And I got an image from the internet. This is the first time I've actually taken something from some paper. Uh-huh. And put it in on my finger painting. And right now, it's looking like an orange creamsicle with freezer burn.
1: <laughs> I like creamsicles. Uh-huh. <laughs> They're good.
2: <laughs> so, but yeah, it's a work in progress. And and I'm trying not to be perfect at it and recognize mm-hmm. that perfection isn't going to happen. Um, and it's just a matter of skill and luck that it happens so it's it's opened up a whole new avenue for me and it's made me really challenge my limiting beliefs Mm. and it's I should have said it was my it was a pivotal moment Mm. but it it, it, you did (laughs) I mean it it, it kind of you know I'm still in the recovery so it's Um,
1: Do you feel like you're able to um, be really present like when you're doing it? Like, does it allow you to kind of check out from the noise in your head?
2: Yes, but I mostly listen to music too while I'm Mm -hmm. doing it. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, when I do it, I'm, I'm thinking about what I want the image to look like rather than I'm not perfect, I'm ugly, I'm worthless, I'm mentally ill, and all that. Um, you know, all the stuff that I identify myself with, and it kind of helps to keep keep that stuff at bay. And it's, it's, you know, I don't always succeed at getting from mind to canvas, mm-hmm. but The last one I did that I showed of the monster, Mm -hmm. that was spot on. That was awesome.
1: It was. was It was amazing. Uh, You're good. You're fucking. You're the Picasso of the finger. (laughs) her nickname is Picasso. uh,
2: uh, Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There it is. Was he the one that cut his ear off? Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, that's 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 perfect. It's, awesome. it's perfect for you.
1: <laughs> he was mentally disturbed, like the rest of us.
2: <laughs> yeah, there we go.
1: Yeah, good old Pablo. Um, so talk about. I know that you, obviously you're part of this community, and then I know you have um some others. It's like a, a depression group or something. But talk about just the role that you know being being part of a community and 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 the impact that that has and. The importance of it
2: in the early stages of my, of my recovery i started joining a, a local um nami which is national alliance on mental illness yeah uh-huh. um they had a peer support group uh-huh. and this was just before COVID, so it was in uh-huh. person and I had done, in my in the very early stages, I had done some group therapy, a uh-huh. therapist, and I found out I really liked it.
0: Uh-huh.
2: So I went to the NAMI peer support group, and I've been going ever since. Uh-huh. Um, now it's online, and I just felt like... <sighs> I've lived feeling alone
0: mm-hmm.
2: an alien in this world my whole life um, and yes there are there were stages where there's support groups for, for the facial paralysis that I have but everybody's experience was so different it was really hard to connect and mm-hmm. it led to a lot of infighting mm-hmm. um, so when I went to the NAMI group finally there are other people they may not look like me Mm -hmm. but they know what I'm going to Mm -hmm. and they know how it feels and that was that was so it was game-changing because I I learned that I was not alone Mm
0: -hmm.
2: and then when I joined adult child Mm -hmm oh my god <laughs> oh my god i if i didn't feel like i i wasn't if i felt like i wasn't alone in nani i felt like i found us like people on the same wavelength as me in adult child in this group this group has been so amazing to mm. you know that all that that our childhood experiences shaped how we think now as adults and there's no blame there's no shame there's no judgment Mm -hmm. come as you are Mm -hmm. and if you all can accept me and this is my thinking up until a few weeks ago if you all can accept me A medium ugly person like me? No, no, no. No. None of that. None of that. All right. Um, but that's how I felt. Because that because it's so hard to put into words how unhuman I felt my whole life. It's very hard when you don't look like other people around you and what society tells you you should look like, that fucks you up. And if you don't have if you don't have a support system in place when you're a child with people who know what to do to help you grow and mature into a health well mature into an adult. I'm not going to say healthy because it doesn't always work that way. But Mm -hmm. if you can mature into an adult without the baggage that we all get now Mm -hmm. as children, Mm -hmm. I think that would have made a huge difference. And it shines a light as to why people with my facial paralysis had such vastly different experiences Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
2: because they all grew up in different homes Mm -hmm. and it's just been it's been amazing well
1: we're so grateful to have you you're 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 a you're a feature you're a you're a a fixture
2: a fixture is what i meant to say (laughs) I'm i'm not used to this Mm, I know. even though I should be, because in my previous life, um back when I was working, I was a little literal rock star, but you know, <laughs> running with a chicken with its head, you know with its head cut off type of rock star, and this mm-hmm. feels different, this feels good. I'm ready to accept it. Bring it on, soak it in, baby. Um, Okay, three
1: things that you like about
2: yourself. I'm courageous. Mm -hmm. I'm intelligent. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: And I'm creative.
1: Yes, your new self-image.
2: That's my new self-image. Those are the three things that I absolutely love about myself. Mm. Um, I'm trying to accept myself. And those are helping. Mm, good
1: um what was that experience like redefining yourself
2: it was liberating Mm. because I no longer have to try and conform to for better or worse what my parents want me to be Mm -hmm. I no longer have to conform to what society wants me to be I am me, take it or leave it. I'm okay with that now. Mm-hmm. And that's huge. It's freeing, it's liberating, and it's also really fucking overwhelming.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm sure. I understand. I understand. Um, okay. Hope or dream for the future?
2: I want to be some kind of a mentor. To teenagers, especially young male teenagers, just a mentor. Just I want to help people. I want to share my experiences in life
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, because one of the core principles with Nami is um, we gain strength in sharing experiences,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and if I can help make the world a better place, I want to do it because for so long, I felt like I was worthless and I felt like I had no purpose and no, nothing to give to anybody and just, a, you know, bump on a log. That's all I am. But now I'm not. And that—that's my hope—is to be a mentor.
1: Mm, I love it. You will be. You're doing it now. Definitely. Just starting it. So well, thank you, Mike. We're so I'm so grateful to have you in the community, and you're not going anywhere.
2: I am more. I am so. I I feel like I owe you a debt. No. For what you've done, Mm. and that's and and part of why i chose to do this um because if my story helps that's the greatest thing that i can give to you
1: thanks mike you're the shit pablo pablo picasso of the Uh, finger picasso of the finger
2: (laughs) i I don't know if i like of
1: the finger. I think it makes it really fucking weird. That I think it's perfect. Brilliant. It's so weird. It's so weird and so good. <laughs> well, that wraps up Shit Show Saturday. As always, sign up for the patreon that is where i host weekly support groups and it's where you say thanks andrea for all that you do patreon.com slash adult child follow me on tiktok and instagram at adult child pod and give me a damn five star rating on apple and spotify and i will see y'all shit shows on wednesday bye
0: Let it